Thanks for listening to the Lovejoy United podcast from Lovejoy United Presbyterian Church in Wood River, Illinois. We are a welcoming community of faithful disciples committed to filling Christ's example, joyfully serving through compassion, mission, justice, and all-inclusive grace. To learn more, go to our website, lovejoyupc.org. Let's move on. Our next reading will be from the Old Testament. It's uh, from Exodus chapter 12. Yeah, chapter 12 and verses 1 to 14. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall mark for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell the whole congregation of Israel that on the 10th of this month, they are to take a lamb for each family, a lamb for each household. And if a household is too small for a whole lamb, it shall join its closest neighbor in obtaining one. The lamb shall be divided in proportion to the number of people who eat of it. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a year old male. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month. And then the whole assembled congregation of Israel shall slaughter it at twilight. They shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the lamb that same night, and they shall eat it roasted over the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted over the fire with its head, legs, and inner organs. You shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning, you shall burn. And this is how you shall eat it. Your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it hurriedly. It is the Passover of the Lord. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike down every firstborn in the land of Egypt, both human beings and animals. On all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. And then I shall see the blood and I will pass over you. And no plague shall destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be a day of remembrance for you. And you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord throughout your generations you shall observe it as a perpetual ordinance. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Okay. So, here we go. This is a uh, kind of a monumental month for me. Five years ago on this day, I moved to Louisville to begin seminary. And I can still remember the disorienting feelings of moving someplace 
where I knew nothing and nobody. And during our first week of truly living there, we were in a hotel because we were having trouble finding a home to live in. Um, I had actually started to develop a fear about moving about the city because I didn't know where I was going. Um, and, but by the third day, I knew that my fear was gonna take over if I didn't just get out and accomplish something, no matter how small it was. So I left the hotel with two goals. One, I would find a laundromat. And two, I would find an ATM machine. I was gone for many hours. And I became very frustrated and I cried many times, but I finally accomplished both of my goals. Now granted, by the time I found the laundromat, I felt it was too late to actually do the laundry. But the next day when I went out, I was able to go directly to the laundromat. Slowly, by tackling this unknown city, one task at a time, I was able to move forward and build on my successes. And the same thing happened uh, two decades earlier, or maybe it was three, <laughs> when I was first learning how to get around Alton, because I'm a Granite City girl, and all I knew about Alton is there were a lot of hills here. I did not realize I needed to be better acquainted if I was going to fall in love with someone from Alton. But it didn't, and it didn't matter where I went or what I was looking for. I always ended up at the mall. So on one of our weekend visits here, I left my in-laws house by myself in the car and I was looking for the bank. Now, I knew the house and the bank were both at Upper Alton. So how hard could it be? It didn't matter which way I went. My muscle memory brought me back to the mall. I was gone for two hours and I never found the bank. Again, I was frustrated. There were some tears involved. I went out later, Jeff showed me where the bank was and he made me drive back from the bank to the house so I would remember the way, exercising the muscle memory. But the important thing is that had I not done those hard to do things and tried to do some things I'd never done before, I'd never end up where I am today. So transition is hard and we go through it a lot in this world and we move to different homes. We live in different neighborhoods. Sometimes we move to a different state and sometimes even different countries. And there can be new way of doing things. Sometimes it's as simple as changing to a new remote for your TV. Um, that's very frustrating. Or maybe a new microwave where the buttons are in different places. Sometimes there are procedural changes at work or in an organization where we volunteer. There can be cultural changes and we end up practicing new rituals that don't mean so much to us and having to give up our old ones. Sometimes there's also the addition or subtraction of people from our families. And that also is a transition. 
The muscle memory, it always wants us to return to the previous way of doing things. Just like I kept going back to the mall, despite my best efforts not to. But using our muscle memory reduces that stress that we experience. It brings us closer to the rational and further away from the emotional. It takes more intellect, intellectual work to do new things, and it makes us tired. So many times we choose to just acclimate to the new, but we provide resistance, like looking at a new family member. You look them up and down, you've got a little reluctance to get too close. You're not sure maybe if it's a new partner someone's bringing in, how long are they really going to be in this group? How well do you need to get to know them? Um, Sometimes we always rationalize, and we do this a lot at church, y'all know this, that the old way was better, and this isn't the way we've always done it. Um, and sometimes it's as simple as you're in a family gathering and you remember the mashed potatoes that Aunt Dee Dee used to make, and they were the best. And it doesn't matter who else makes the mashed potatoes and how good they really are, they're never going to be like Aunt Dee Dee's. So if we spend our time only looking back and waiting for the past to become the present, we'll end up as useless as Lot's wife. So we literally cannot begin to embrace the new until we begin to let go of the old. And grief is a fine way to start. In order to begin a transition, we must acknowledge the loss of the way, the old way or place. And we would prefer just to get on with it, but first a healthy goodbye is required. Now these people of Israel in the scripture I just read, they were preparing to transition. God was readying them for their journey to the land of milk and honey and out of slavery. God gave them specific instructions for the meal of the lamb that would come to symbolize the beginning of their journey. And I find it fascinating that part of their instruction was to wipe the blood of the said lamb onto the doorways. Besides it being a sign to God to pass over those residences, let's ponder the significance of the doorway for a moment. It is a place of not only entry, but also exit. You are outside and then you are inside. The, Israels, the Israelites were in Egypt, but soon they would be out of Egypt. The doorway is a transition itself. You are in and then you are out and you can't be both. And if you try to straddle the doorway, you are gonna block everyone else from going anywhere. So, the celebration of this Passover continues to this day in the Jewish tradition, as God had said in the scripture we read, that they would um, continue to celebrate this for generations to come, and they have. Um, it's all, and it's proof in their tradition that they um, have not forgotten their liberating God, the God who liberated them from slavery. And God sent them on this journey. And likewise, as Christians, we celebrate communion as we will today, with traditions that are rooted in the Passover, 
to remind us of Christ's ability to bring substance to the journey for the journey. So I, I'm thinking of this in relation to this worldwide pandemic that we're in right now. This is a time of transition, a transition as none of us have ever seen in our lifetimes. And are we being asked to consider different ways of living and being? Is God doing a new thing? Is God sending us out on a journey to a land of milk and honey? And if so, will we follow? Or will we stand firmly planted, waiting for things to go back the way they were? Are we holding tight to things? Maybe things, or maybe ways of living, maybe attitudes that we could be letting go of. Will we desire to reset our calendars to 2019 before this COVID thing happened? Or I know we can remember a time, some of us can remember a time, maybe not me, but <laughs> But we know that there are people who would like to set their calendars back to 1960, to the days of JFK before the turbulent 60s. Some, not many who are still alive, but we all know grandparents who would have loved to go back to 1928 before the Great Depression. So maybe there are places in our own personal lives where the familiar is becoming uncomfortable. And could it be God is nudging us? We've all heard about Moses and that burning bush. God certainly got Moses' attention. But do we know, did God try some other not so dramatic means of communication at first? Maybe did God try 14 other things? And the only thing we know about is a burning bush, because that's the first thing Moses noticed. Is God sending us messages right now that we don't recognize? What will be your burning bush? How will God get your attention? Does God have your attention already? What journey is God nudging you towards? We don't know where the journey will take us, and we certainly don't know how long it will take. We know the Israelites were in the desert for 40 years when they left Egypt before they got to the land of milk and honey. But what we do know is that God is with us. God is calling us, and will we follow? In regards to this scripture and this message, I. I found a great quote by Anathea Portier Young, and she said, will we take off our shoes, put down the staff, and dawdle by the door? Or, in the words of Sandra Monroe, will we go forth and follow where the Spirit is leading, not looking back? Or, Will we be like Lot's wife, turning back and becoming a pillar of salt that will only preserve the past and cut us off from the future God intended? 
we have a lot to think about in these times. Amen. Thanks for listening. Remember, love God, love neighbor, love joy.